From the beautiful city of Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. And it has been a while since our last episode. I thank you all for your patience and I thank you all for messaging me, asking when the next episode's coming out. Well, it was worth the wait. I'll just say that because we've got an incredible guest today, Sav Rogers, the filmmaker behind Chasing, Chasing Amy. Chasing, Chasing Amy is a documentary about the film Chasing Amy, but also about Sav's journey, how this film inspired him and how this film totally shifted his perspective on the world and as a trans man. So we're going to be talking to him today. That film is screening at Outfest. This is the 40th anniversary of Outfest, and it's still rocking this weekend. So go to Outfest LA, go to outfest.org and get your tickets. They've got tons of great shows still left on the weekend slate. And speaking of anniversaries, it's LADFF's 10th anniversary, and we've got a special screening to celebrate that coming up. And I'll talk about that after our interview with Sab. But for now, I want to shoot to our interview with the really cool, really awesome, and pretty brilliant filmmaker, Sav Rogers. Okay, we're joined by Sav Rogers today, writer, director, producer, and I guess you could say star subject of the documentary Chasing, Chasing Amy. Sav, how has Los Angeles been treating you? Because you live in Vegas, right? I do live in Vegas for the time being, but LA has been great. It's been so nice to be back here among so many friends, especially to come back for a festival like Outfest, which has just always treated me like family and supported my work. And it's amazing to be here in a year where there are so many incredible trans filmmakers playing mm-hmm. their movies. It's just wonderful. Yeah, this podcast is coming out Friday. So folks listening at home, you've still got the weekend to check out Outfest. And we highly recommend it, including seeing Chasing Chasing Amy at the DGA on Sunday. So, Sav, before we get into talking about your documentary, give us a little bit of a background about yourself and kind of like um, brief history slash relationship with Chasing Amy. For sure. So I was raised in Kansas, which when I was growing up, I always thought everywhere else must be more interesting. And it kind of led to this vivid imagination and a desire for a creative outlet. And when I was a kid, I was like really obsessed with movies, television. And I was in this Ben Affleck phase from about age eight to age 12, where I would just try to watch anything (laughs) he was in I could get my hands on because my mom had taken me to see Daredevil in the movie theaters. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. I loved comic books. I loved comic book movies. And I thought, uh, you know, anything that Ben Affleck's in must automatically be incredible. <laughs> and so one day I was kind of rummaging through my mom's physical media collection. And I found this DVD, the Criterion DVD of Chasing Amy. And I saw Ben's face on it. And I was like, oh, like, what's this? Can I watch it? And I'm about 12. And my mom is like, oh, I don't know. It's it's rated R, but I guess I don't remember it being that bad. So go ahead. And I sat down and I watched this movie at a pretty vulnerable time in my life as a closeted, queer, trans kid in Kansas who was having a really hard time in school. Mm -hmm. Kids had started to figure out that I was queer before I had. You know, I I didn't have that sense of self yet. And I I certainly didn't have 
really the ability to reflect on my own existence in that way or any kind of self-awareness. I was so socially awkward. I was so weird. And it became this comfort movie at a time where I really needed a lifeline. I needed comfort. You know, there were no queer people in my parents' lives that I like identified with or could see myself in. And, you know, when you can't imagine a future for yourself, you don't think you have one. But Chasing Amy was this thing that kind of allowed me to imagine a future for myself in some ways through like, you know, Kevin's romanticism in a script, through the Alyssa Jones character, even through the Holden character. It also set me on this creative path as a kid who wanted a creative outlet. I was already like writing little short stories and doing stuff like that for school, but it allowed me to dream bigger, kind of gave myself permission to dream bigger and to see a possibility ahead for what my life could be. And that ended up being filmmaking. That's incredible. Isn't that just amazing what art can do for us? And and we'll get into that a little bit more in depth later. But I, like you, grew up watching this movie. I also probably saw it at a a very young age. I think I was even younger (laughs) than 12. I think I, I think I was like nine or 10. And it was like my mom and my aunt still have a gay best friend. And I think he showed it to us. And he like brought over the the VHS copy, like when it first came out. So growing up with gay people in my life, the queerness was not what stood out to me or that was not different to me. What was different to me or like what made the impression was just like, dang, these characters are like so cool and they're comic book writers and Hooper is so freaking smart and Alyssa is so cool. I just wanted to be friends with them. And like you, it also sparked my creativity and I was, you know, writing short stories at the time too. And it totally sparked my screenwriting path. So. Oh my gosh. That is rad. Two very different experiences, but you know how one movie can, one small $250,000 movie can kind of like, (laughs) you know, totally set on two very different paths. But what you're saying is that's also stuff that I identified with. Like I said earlier, like I loved comic books. I loved, you know, right. geek culture. The, the characters were comic book writers. And I thought that was so neat. It was a pretty healthy friend group, at least at the beginning of the movie. You know, it was all this stuff that I also aspired to. So like, even though our life experiences may be different, we identified with a lot of the same things in it. And it helped inform our path, which is, like you said, like, it's so cool, like what a movie can do in terms of presenting possibility, right? Absolutely. So Sav, when did you decide that it was time to make a film about this film? What was the, I guess what we can talk about is you did a TED talk about Chasing Amy. I did. You know, I was looking through some old notes a couple of months ago, preparing for our Tribeca premiere, just trying to like see like, when did this idea start? And I found my earliest record of exploring the idea about a Chasing Amy documentary was back in 2015. I would have been making films for, you know, maybe a year at that point after making short films. And so I guess it's kind of always been on my mind to do something like this. But I consider day one of Chasing Chasing Amy to be September 1st, 2018, when I moved to New York for the TED Residency Program. Effectively, the TED Residency was an idea incubator that allowed uh, a three-month research period, and you could do all of the research at TED HQ, you know, a little desk that they would give you, and then you would uh, give a TED Talk on what your research was about. Basically, I had no intention of giving a TED Talk at any point, but I had seen this free application, you know, hey, do you want to give a TED Talk or, you know, explore an idea? Like, this is a great opportunity. I applied the day of the deadline. I just attached my director's reel, a still, and a little one-minute video saying who I was. To my surprise, I became a finalist. Finalist interview was going great. They were like, hey, we really like you, but there's not an idea for a TED Talk in here. So if you had to give one tomorrow, what would it be about? 
And I told them about my idea for a documentary on Chasing Amy. And they said, well, that is the most narrow, specific idea for a TED Talk we've ever heard. You'll hear back in two weeks. (laughs) And then three days later, three days later, I got it. And then I had to figure out how to move from Kansas to New York. And it was one of the best experiences of my whole life. And what that opportunity gave me was three months of development time. Adobe paid for my spot in the residency. And so it gave me a chance to live in New York and get some more life experience. And it allowed us to set up our first two days of shooting the documentary and also give a TED Talk, which would become like an eight minute sample of what the movie would be to come. And for that institutional credibility for that platform and the ability to connect with Kevin immediately as a result of having this eight minute sample of what my life story was up to that point, in some ways, was everything. It was an unusual way to kickstart the documentary, but it ended up being such an important piece. And it was all by complete accident. And it's awesome. I mean, that's really what a story. In the film, you kind of briefly touch on, you know, like, after you gave the TED Talk, Kevin found it, he reached out to you. What you don't go into super depth in is just like, what was it like for you being such a huge Kevin Smith fan to A, just get that message in the first place, B, meet him and have long in-depth conversations with him about these characters, about filmmaking, about the craft, and then also have him just be a part of this process. You know, he feels as much of an integral piece of the film as you do. Yeah, I mean, it was when Kevin reached out and, you know, gave me his number and said to text him, and then he just immediately called me, and we had this 20-minute, very life-affirming conversation for me at that time, where he was just, you know, telling me how much he loved the TED Talk, and that meant everything to me at that point in time, to have the work that had been done so far validated in that way. So it was a total fanboy moment for me. And then uh, to be able to continue my working rapport with him through being able to interview him and to be able to, you know, get so much time with him. You know, he's a busy guy. It's hard for anybody to be able to give as much time as Kevin's given to me, let alone somebody with as robust of a schedule as him. So I always felt very respected in that way and that Kevin took me seriously, which was important for me, you know, going into my first feature to feel like there was that mutual respect there. And he's always, you know, treated me kindly in that way and has been very generous with his time. And it was pretty surreal. That 20 minute phone conversation, you know, he was pitching ideas for for interviews we could do. You know, things get access to. To hear that kind of excitement in his voice was just the coolest thing. And you have so many great interviews in the film from Jason Lee and Joey Lohner Adams who are in the film to, you know, film scholars, journalists, screenwriters. Talk to us about just kind of like creating that Rolodex of brilliant, brilliant minds that you have talking about this film, some of which who are, you know, and have been critical of Chasing Amy throughout the 20 years, 22 years, it it has received some criticism from the LGBT community, not unfounded criticism, but talk to us about how it was kind of creating that roster of interviews and were people like, you're making a movie about Chasing Amy, (laughs) of all things? (laughs) Yeah, that's... That was a a very common reaction uh, was, okay, I I guess. (laughs) Let's see. Let's see how this goes. I think, you know, at the beginning of the process, I did want to make a a documentary that was more straightforward about the intersection of Chasing Amy and the LGBTQ community. And as time went on, the film evolved into being more about my life and my experience, which was a vulnerable place for me to be in. But I also think that helped imbue trust with a lot of interviewees. 
of like, well, hey, I'm on camera too. The questions, you know, I'm asking are also a reflection of, of me in a lot of ways, right? And so mm, I think that right. that helps at times in the process. But all of our interviewees are just so stellar. You know, everybody you see there uh, gave terrific interviews and it was so hard to narrow down all of the, the brilliant things that these folks said. I mean, it felt like the Avengers of weird talking head docs for me, you know? And yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just so thankful that anybody said yes to an interview because this is a very narrow and specific starting place for a documentary. And then as time went on, it became more broad in the way that it became more specific. They found any some sort of universality, I think. And so, you know, there were people who were skeptical and there were people who were like, I don't know why you're making this doc, but I'm so happy to give you 30 minutes of my time, an hour of my time. And uh, I really appreciate everybody just kind of going with me on the journey because they were able to help tie this whole story together and represent points of view that I think needed to be represented because there is the critique of Chasing Amy, which there are so many valid critiques of this movie. And there are also the people who felt supported and seen by it. And I also mm -hmm. wanted to represent that point of view and kind of allow in the movie for this idea of multiple things being true at once. A movie that effectively saved my life as a child could also be harmful to LGBTQ people. And that's not true all the time is because the LGBTQ community is not a monolithic group. Our experiences are subjective and varied. In Chasing Amy, there's kind of this like microcosm of all of the, the issues in Hollywood at that time that we explore in the documentary, but also, mm -hmm. you know, the, the issues with what is good representation versus bad representation on this like very binary scale here, right? And so this movie is able to capture a lot of the complications and nuance of life. And I think the documentary is also able to kind of capture that in the way that we try to allow for people to speak their respective truths and for the audience to make up their own mind about it. Yeah. And I think you execute all of that so, so beautifully. As you said, it kind of starts from a narrow point of view. It's like we're going to talk about chasing Amy, but it becomes about so much more what you just talked about. Also, I couldn't help but think about as I was watching the film that it's so much about transformation, both literally and, and figuratively. You go through a transformation in the film. In addition to that, it's hard not to compare that to just art as a transformative tool. Like you're making this documentary and transforming and kind of like, in a way, it's like your coming of age story. 100%. But then you're also talking about Chasing Amy, which felt like a coming of age experience for Kevin and for Joni, it was a totally different transformative experience that, you know, maybe wasn't, she doesn't look back on as fondly. It's just fascinating to kind of like look at it through that lens as a transformative art, as a transformative medium. Yeah. I mean, I think film is the number one empathy tool. You're asked to walk through somebody else's shoes for a little bit and to follow whatever kind of protagonist's journey. Um, and while it wasn't intentional to, to be the primary participant in this documentary, um, I, I do recognize that my coming of age is happening all the time in this movie, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, we explored at the beginning how I was able to kind of start coming of age and start feeling like I could be myself more as a result of seeing Chasing Amy and that identification with it and that fandom, right? And then as I'm making the documentary, you know, there are a lot of people that challenge my worldviews. There are a lot of people who 
who kind of dare me to grow a bit. The Kevin and Joey interviews are perfect examples of that, right? You know, the growing pains hurt, right? <laughs> and so mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you kind of see me go through that process in the documentary uh, as I'm learning in real time. I do transition in the movie. And yet that's not even the A or B storyline, right? And right. coming of age has all of these facets to it. But at the end of the day, every scene is about my evolving relationship with Chasing Amy and how it changes over time. And in that, I'm able to become myself more fully. I'm able to feel more comfortable as myself more fully. I'm going from being Chasing Amy fan to feature filmmaker over the course of this journey. And then it's also like a love story. You know, there's just, there's so much there. I think an audience will be able to come away with something, right? But I recognize as I'm describing it, it's just kind of like a, you just got to see it because there's you a lot of elements there. <laughs> it's a really tremendous documentary. It meant a lot to me to watch it, to uh, see a film about a film that I love, but was also very aware was like problematic in, in certain aspects. You know, it's funny. I saw it at Outfest. They did like a legacy screening of it like two or three years ago. And it was my first time seeing it on the big screen. And it was also like maybe my first time seeing it in about seven or eight years. And I was like, some of these seats, but, but I still, you know, love it. Like it still just like holds that place in my heart of just like growth as a human being. And my final couple questions for you are, what did Kevin and Joni think of the film if they've seen it? And then what has, I know you've screened at Frameline, which is, you know, one of the best queer film festivals in the, in the entire world. And now you're screening at Outfest. What has the LGBT community, what has been their response to the film as well? Oh my gosh. Well, there have been so many wonderful reactions to it. You know, sometimes people will send me their letterbox reviews and, you know, uh, that's nice. Thankfully, if people haven't liked it, they haven't made that my problem, which I appreciate. You know, the reviews have almost all been really kind. And I've been really touched by the people who have come up to me after screenings to share their experiences or talk about their chasing Amy's or, you know, to, to talk about how much the movie is, is meant to them. And, you know, the film's been out, what, like eight, nine weeks now since we premiered at Tribeca. That is incredibly meaningful to be able to just be present in that. You know, Kevin watched the movie and I was shocked that we had a 56 minute FaceTime conversation where, you know, he just talked about how much he loved the movie. And, you know, his favorite part of the movie is my favorite part of the movie, which is Riley. But I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but she's a hoot and the best person in the whole world. So I was really glad that he took that away as well. That's great. Yeah. Riley's amazing. And I love the scene with your mom too. Oh, that was just really touching. Oh, thank you. Beautiful. Sav, congratulations. It's an incredible film. I'm so happy for you. And I can't wait to see it again. All my friends at home are going to check it out. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us on Film Forward. Oh, my gosh. Nicholas, thank you so much for having me on Film Forward. Thanks for spreading the word. You know, we're we're an indie doc. And so all of this means a lot. And thanks for helping us build our audience. Of course. Our pleasure. So there was our interview with Sav Rogers. Great person. Great filmmaker. And it's a great movie. And if you want to see it yourself... Go to ChasingAmyDoc.com. If you sign up, you can get a list of all their upcoming screenings, and they've got a few other festivals coming down the line. But what you really want to do is come to the screening that is this Sunday. And that screening is going to be at the Montalban Theater as a part of Outfest. So you are not going to want to miss that, everybody. Also, Thursday, August 17th, L-A-D-F-F is having its 10th anniversary screening, special screening at the Lemley NoHo 7. 
You are not going to want to miss this. We are going to be celebrating our 10th birthday. We're almost old enough to drink, just 11 more years, but it's going to be a big celebration. Tickets are going to go on sale for that on August 1st, but come join us. We're going to be celebrating some of the best films from our past and previewing some of the films that are going to be part of LADFF that's coming up this year in the fall. So it's going to be kind of a hybrid, looking at our past, looking at our future, and it's going to be a blast. It's been a blast talking here today with Sav and just being back in the swing of things. I want to thank you all for joining us on Film Forward. We're going to be back sooner rather than later. So thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.